You are listening to The Last Aid Station on Mountain Bike Radio, your source of off-road news and highlights. Hello and welcome to The Last Aid Station. I am your host, well, co-host, I'm Ben. (laughs) I'm a new co-host on the show with uh, your trusty and long-term, basically, host of the show, Mark. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Uh, It's going well. Yeah. Yeah, it's going well. Um, so we're uh, we're trying out something different tonight. Um, uh, we're going to see if Ben really understands this whole podcasting thing. <laughs> and, and Mark wanted me to do an intro, so I thought I'd uh, do something yeah, to mess wanted, you guys up. Yeah, wanted to confuse everybody. Yeah. Uh, what show am I listening to? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So how are things with you? Um, we're going to talk about some racing that you've done here recently, and some racing you've done in the past. Yeah. Um, but how are things overall? Uh, really good. Uh, I, I do want to say in terms of, uh, me personally there, I had a good month and, uh, with the Mod A 150 was a good one in there and we'll talk about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. even in terms of mountain bike radio too, uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have both. There's two things going on is people have been using the Amazon link to shop. And if you don't know what that is, you're maybe new to the show, just go to the show notes and there's a, there'll be a a line with a link that says click here to shop through our Amazon affiliate link or page. And, uh, that will give us a kickback. So if you go there, I know a lot of you shop Amazon for no money out of your pocket. All you have to do is click that link and it takes you to Amazon. You'll shop. You won't even know any difference. You'll shop just the same as you had. And we get a cut back from that. The other thing is members. We keep getting everything from a dollar to several dollars a month members. So all of that ensures that mountain bike radio is like, it's going to keep going for a while. <laughs> so I appreciate yes. it. Everybody. Thank you very much. It allows us, allows this all to happen and to start planning some different things that will, uh, be very sustainable. So in yes. everything I do, that's very important, even though like it has to be, it has to make sense. It has to be sustainable. Otherwise, like it's just not going to happen. So th- right. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. Um, and this is my opportunity to say thank you to all the last aid station listeners too. So thank you very much. Um, and to the listeners, um, Ben has com- put together quite a nice little package. If you become a member of mountain bike radio and that you're giving very small amounts really in the big, appearance of things um but you you actually you actually get um some great benefits um whether it's deals on things or uh other types of items that are out there and they're not just like junk trinkets i mean they're actual uh yeah wanted items and components and the um, biggest one the biggest one right now has been the uh members uh so what it is is any member that does it's either ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year or up. Uh there's another option for a dollar a month, but that's just you get our thanks and you get listed on a page. But those members that get uh access to the deal and the inner circle, um uh the popular one has been fifteen percent off to Wolf Tooth. So somebody will become a member and then they'll, you know, buy two hundred dollars worth of stuff from Wolf Tooth and it saves you whatever you know, 30 bucks. Right. right there. It, it pays for itself. Yeah. So, I mean, it really does pay for itself and it sustains mountain bike radio. Yeah, absolutely. All so, the things that comes with it. So, yeah. So anyhow, so when you ask me, how's it going, uh, in terms of mountain bike radio, good. Thanks to all the listeners. So I appreciate it. 
Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and while we have, while we have you on here, cause you, you don't get a chance to really promote this stuff a lot. Why don't you talk about a little bit about what's going on with some of these trips that you're potentially going to pull off here in the over, especially over the winter into the end of the spring and maybe even the next summer getting listeners and other riders together to hit some of those bucket list places that everybody wants to ride. Right. So here's the scoop. You go to mountainbikeradio.com slash off air. That's O F F A I R. Like we're doing stuff in real life with other people. Um, but what's going on is we are for the first two initially, we were going to want do one in November, but it just, it didn't work out as far. We didn't have enough people to do that. Um, but what we're doing for the first couple is we're partnering up with chasing Epic and you can find all the information about these trips on that, on that page, mountainbikeradio.com slash off here. Uh, but the first one is in Sedona, March 16th, 19th. And what these are is we're partnering up with chasing Epic because they do an all inclusive trip. So they offer up, you pay one fee and it's all inclusive lodging. They also have some, uh, a whole Ibis demo fleet. So what I would recommend is don't plan on this being like your, uh, you know, your, your training camp. This is like go ride, a, you know, some cool bikes that you'd never get the opportunity to do otherwise in really cool spot. So just go have fun, you know, have food, drink beer, whatever you want to do or not drink beer, whatever you do. Um, but the, what we're going to do is we're, we're partnering with them because I want to go. I want to be there. I want to meet other people. Um, so, and that's not to say it's just going to be me. You know, in the future, it's going to be other mountain bike radio people. So it might, at some point, there might be five of us out there. But it's an opportunity for mountain bike radio listeners to come on out, join us, and uh, meet and ride and do all that stuff. The first two, like the Sedona, March 16th, 19th, 2017, and then we're doing Crested Butte in, uh, it's July 20th to 23rd, 2017. Those two are open. Those aren't like closed mountain bike radio trips. They're open to the public. So whatever Chasing Epic brings in, um, they will be included with us, but it'll be a good chance to, um, we're, we're doing it as one of our kind of partner trips. Um, so yeah, so that's a scoop. And, uh, this is just kind of the start. I want to do some more of these, uh, be moving me and my family will be moving to Hayward, Wisconsin, which is in the middle of like fantastic mountain bike country. So we'll work on some other things in the future there as well, right in our backyard. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'd recommend going to mountainbikeradio.com slash off air. Cause I know this time of year, like people are starting to think about next year and what they're going to do. Um, so and make sure you go over there too, because there's a code. So you can go to MBR. The code is MBR off air when you go to check that or at checkout and you get a free jersey with your trip. So we'll get you Sweet. set up with the mountain bike radio jersey as part of that. Sweet. And the cool thing about it is, is that because it's all, it's with a demo fleet and you don't have to worry about shipping your bike there. You don't, you just bring, bring a set of pedals, your shoes, your yeah. Jersey and shorts and a helmet. Yep. That's all you really need. Yep. I mean, you don't have to worry about that and you can make it as a vacation, yep. which is really cool. You don't have to deal with all the hassles of your bike and where you're putting it and all that stuff. Everything's done for you and it's maintained while you're there. And 
when you're done, you take your pedals off and you go home. Yeah. It's perfect. And, and that said, if somebody does want to ship their bike, it totally, they'll totally work that out. And that goes through bike flights and then we'll have it shipped to whatever partner and, you know, shop in Sedona, get it all ready for you. So there's that option as well. So just, yeah. but me personally, I'm not going to use this. I'm going to go ride, you know, bikes that I don't, wouldn't do otherwise. That's what's right. Fun. Go have some fun. Very cool. On some bigger Very bikes. Cool. But yeah, so if you have any well, questions, feel free to, you know, info at mountainbikeradio.com that, uh, and I'll get back to you on that. Cool. Well, thanks. I'm, well, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing how these roll out and perhaps even coming out for one, um, getting a chance to ride somewhere where I normally would not get a chance to ride. So yeah, the plan is, is to come cool. your way too. So yeah. Yeah. And there's <laughs> like lots the, of good riding out there for sure. But. Like the one I've been looking at and you keep telling me is Mulberry gap. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's something I've, you know, that's something that in the future, hopefully we can get something going there too. But my whole right. point is, with mountain bike radio, my goal has always been to give you mountain biking all the time. So in your, when you're not doing it on your bike, it's in your ear. We have it in your ear a ton right now. So I'll just keep improving that and adding things. But now I want to bring it like into real life as well. So we just inundate you with every possible direction and give it to you that way. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, on with the podcast, on yeah, with the main stuff. stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this actually stuff. before we do that we should probably yes. say that steve why steve is gone oh steve, yeah steve is gone <laughs> 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 we've uh buried him in the podcasting uh cemetery for now um he couldn't take it anymore no mark drove him <laughs> away no he uh he just has a lot of other things going on that he's working on uh personally but yeah. uh so he doesn't this kind of doesn't really fit into it he and he uh yeah, you might hear him every once in a while. And actually, for the next episode, I'm going to work on him to get some Margie Gessick uh, information. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, I will be in here for now, for a while. Yeah. And 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 don't think that Steve is, like, moving away from endurance mountain bike racing or at all. No, actually, he finished some it. of the stuff that he's actually doing is very related. And we will definitely continue to stay in touch with Steve because he's going to he's going to be doing stuff kind of along the same path that we're going down here. Not necessarily, not necessarily full podcasts on endurance mountain bike racing, but a very similar line. And so um, he's still going to be around and you'll definitely be able to find him on the internet and um, other things with uh, very, very similar um, goals. Yeah. So, and if you, if you want to follow along with them, it's endurancepath.com. Go over there uh, and you can check it out. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a great blog. Um, he keeps up with, um, all the races he's done, all the races he's going to do, how he's preparing for them, what he thought. Um, and a lot of people use it as a, as a resource for races. And he's very detailed about what he felt, um, the best parts of the course were for him and how he prepared for those parts of the course and what he would change. So it's a really, really, really good resource. And he's also started to integrate some other ways of training for mountain bike racing and endurance racing and did, to put maybe give other racers um, some ideas on how to improve their fitness um, for these kind of races. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. So on onward um, into um, some news um, and I'm sure Ben will jump in here on some of this stuff as far as the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. um, but for 2016, this is normally the time that everyone will be pairing and looking forward to iron cross in Pennsylvania, likely one of the first, if not the first, 
um, monster cross gravel grinder kind of climby um, off-road cross kind of races and for this year it has actually been canceled now mike coon the promoter who also does uh, the transylvania epic and many other races around the mid-atlantic region um, is very involved in the nike league in pennsylvania and putting on high school mountain bike races and things like that and he felt that because this is really the first year first big rollout of that league in that season he doesn't have enough time to prepare iron cross the way he wants and so for this year in 2016 he has uh, canceled it and i am sure that it will be back in 2017 as everything kind of becomes a little more placated on the iron uh, on the Nike side. And so I think Iron Cross will come back bigger, better, and as always, a, a great event that Mike Coon puts on. So um, in other mountain bike racing news, um, Jose Hermida of Multivan Merida has retired from pro racing after his final World Cup race this year. Um, he's going to be greatly missed in the Pro XCO World Cup and Olympics where he was frequently on the front. He's known as a bit of a jokester, even joking a bit inside the races and even mid-race. Um, a lot of stories coming out of the World Cup of stuff that he's done while he's been racing his bike at the top of the sport. And over his career, he won the World Championships in 2010. And um, two other years, he was a bronze medalist at the World Championships. He additionally won silver, 2004 Athens Olympics, numerous World Cup victories. He's won multiple national titles, and he will definitely be missed um, I think at the last World Cup event he did, um, he still came out in the top 10. So very, very experienced and very, very strong racer. But he has decided to call it quits, at least at the top of the World Cup level. Um, Julian Absalon, speaking of the World Cup, has sealed the UCI World Cup Series title, his seventh um, huge year for the French superstar. He won his 33rd career World Cup win, um, riding this year for the BMC team. Uh, and so big year for him. Um, again, he didn't um, he had a big year in the Olympics and things like that. And so it, it's just it was a huge year for Absalon, who, um, again, wins the World Cup. Seems like he yeah. seems to win that every year. He finished uh, actually he finished eighth in the Olympics. Right. Eighth in the Olympics. He, he never was really angry, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 He was um, he had done well through the World Cup and then. In a couple World Cup, I don't know if he was whether it was a peak thing or a tapering thing or whatever. He looked really flat at the Olympics and still was in the top ten. I mean, don't get me wrong; that's more than enough of an achievement. Um, but never was able to make the big moves at the beginning of the race. Um, and, and then with this, yeah. I was going to say with this last World Cup, it was a good race up until uh, Schurter flatted. Right. So Schurter had a flat like fifth, I think fourth or fifth lap, but they were racing pretty good together, and that would have been yeah. the deciding for the series, right? Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have. Um, on the women's side, Canadian rider Catherine Pendrel of Luna Pro Team um, takes the World Cup Series win. Um, exciting racing with Pendrel actually starting the race with a 50-point deficit in the season standings to Annika Longbad, who had led all season but had started losing ground really after the Olympics, three races with – Three races left of the season, she started having some not great results for her. Um, Pendrel attack rate from the gun, risky moves, lots of lots of big moves and and risky um, descending on a very technical course. Um, it was but slippery too. It was very slippery. Yeah, uh, but she would cap off Langvad, put a few riders in between themselves. Um, Yolanda Neff would 
come from behind to win on the day, but Pendrel would finish in third, just over a minute back, gain enough points in the final race for Longbud, would have some major issues on the course trying to stay with that front group. Eventually, uh, Longvad would actually drop all the way back to 13th on the day. The point deficits were more than enough for Pendrel to secure the title. Uh, her first career World Cup overall series win. So congratulations to Catherine Pendrel, who also uh, was bronze medalist this year at the Olympics. Yep. Um, the Swift Epic, now considered uh, one of the top stage races of the world, if not one of the toughest. It's despite it only being in its third year, finished up its six-day dual format stage race a couple weeks ago on September 17th. The race consists of 360 kilometers in total, nearly 13,000 meters of climbing. Um, to say that's a mountain stage race is more than a bit of an understatement. Um, yeah. If you if you figure out the calculations on that, it's, it's mind-boggling. Um, you're either going up or down, evidently, there. Um, this is typically the last race of the international stage race calendar for many of the top teams to focus on, though it is a highlight for many racers seasons, especially those who call Switzerland and the Swiss Alps home. Most of the international marathon and stage race specialists were there, including the teams of Century of Odd, Team Bulls, BMC. They all sent their top teams. And then additionally, there were some XC-centric teams that sent some really tough comp- uh, competitors, including Nino Scherter for Scott Odlo Racing and uh, Yolanda Neff and a teammate for Team Stockley. Um, after racing much of the region's top mountain single track and forest roads, Team BMC consisting of Lucas Flickinger and uh, Rito Indegrad uh, took the win in tight racing over Daniel Gessmeyer and Joaquin Kass of Centuria Vod. Um, Nino Scherter and Matthias uh, Sternemann of Team Odlo Racing took third. In the women's race, Yolanda Neff and Alessandra Keller completely rolled over the competition from day one through day six. Um, the tighter uh, racing in the women's race actually came in the battle for the second step. But in the end, Ariane Kleinhaus and a new partner, Corina uh, Ganterbein of Spur Otzel, conquered with very, very, very strong climbing for the Rocky Mountain Factor team of Essersus and Helka uh, Elferink. I guess that's right. Uh, would And they would finish in third. So that's how the European racing has finished out their season. Um, as we move into cyclocross season over there in Europe. Um, uh, Oh, I have a note here. Interbike happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a big discussion with this And before we, we uh, just mentioned that I did a quick calculation uh, into, into feet because sometimes meters doesn't really tell the whole story. Right. Uh, that's roughly 40,000 plus 42,000, almost 42,650 feet. Right. It's a lot over, over 220 miles, 220 miles. Yeah. That's 200 feet a yeah. mile is pretty stout climbing. F, F- yeah. <laughs> um, interbike. <laughs> so I had a long discussion on with uh, guitar Ted over on the riding gravel podcast, uh, the riding gravel yeah. radio ranch. And, yeah. um, he does. He's had a lot of writing about this over the years too. But he stopped going interbike a few years ago, and it really comes down to there's a you know if you're if you're new in the if you have a business that's kind of new in the game or your dealer, or you're trying to look for you know trying to look for dealers or that kind of thing. It's it's you it's very useful. I mean you're you're gonna it's a huge concentration of people that you can kind of just meet with and things. Right. But, 
Um, I mean, at this point, you know, what we hear, I think what it boils down to this is we hear, there's two things is we get a lot of the information already. Obviously, you know, there's, there's quote unquote leaks. There are, you know, there's things like Eurobike. There's all these different camps. Um, so we get information from media sources, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, from all these outlets. So, you know, right. and, then, and all this type of thing. So we get it and then all the time. And then the big players, the treks and specializes of the world's giants, they have their own like dealer camps. Yeah. Yep. So, so what we see like this year, we saw a lot of complaining and like, Oh, is this, it's because a lot of the, a lot of the complaining comes from media sources, right? Cause they're the ones that are just on Twitter all the time and on Facebook all the time, and all this stuff. It's like for media source, it doesn't really make, I mean, the, the cost benefit is it's a lot of cost and the benefit right. isn't really there. I mean, people are standing around trying to find that it was written in several places. They were trying to find like the story for the day. Right. right. And that just tells well, I mean, me you're not a, needed there anymore. Right. I'm, I think from a media standpoint, I understand why they were complaining because, you know, they go there hoping to get all the stories in one place and that doesn't happen anymore. No. Um, you know, and, and on top of that, nobody releases all the, there is no like specific industry calendar anymore for release dates and when stuff comes out. I mean, it's just kind of rolling all the time. Yeah. So, um, and honestly, I mean, in the United States, I think more stuff and more exciting stuff and more press is gained at Sea Otter than actually happens at Interbike. The interesting thing that I saw come out of Interbike, where before it was even over, Interbike and the people that manage Interbike, I can't remember what the group is, had already said that it was purely, they already had like a list of excuses of why it was lower attendance, lower things. You know, one is that they're, you know, they're because they're putting on one on this side of the United States at Charlotte. Um, they're putting on a smaller one. I forget what they're calling it. But anyhow, they're putting on another like smaller interbike version here in Charlotte. Um, on top of that, you know, the big players aren't there. On top of that, you know, the rolling calendar is ongoing. I mean, so they they already knew that it was going to be low attendance. Um, they've tried different things in the in the recent past with them uh, having a what a Regular people can go in the last, what, one or two days. You don't have to necessarily be a dealer, but the attendance fees are silly. Yeah. It's, just, um, yeah. it's just from from like a media perspective. I mean, get used to yeah. it and spend your time elsewhere. Um, because what's going to happen is you're going to have more regional things, right? They're already working on They're going to have these different uh, outer bikes. So they're moving an outer, yes. they're doing outer bike, yeah. outer bike east. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a yeah. Midwest one. I'm sure there'll be some kind yeah. of south, northwest. Um in addition to all these camps. So like salsa is a good example. Uh, they put on their like uh, salsa bike camp up in the Schwamigan national forest in Wisconsin. There was hundreds of people, you know? Yep. And then uh, another Wisconsin, I just know this cause I pay attention to that area now, but there's another group fixation. There's a bike company out of Wisconsin. They're doing the same thing up there this weekend. So like a gravel type of event, you're just going to have these type of things. So, you know, if you're a dealer, you're going to end up going, you know, if you're in a bike shop that kind of wants to get involved in all these things, yeah. you're going to pick out a few of these different camps that are throughout the thing and just meet these people on the ground and let them ride your bikes and they'll, you know, it, it, it right. works out from there. So, I mean, but you're always going to have this, you know, these couple big groups just to, because it is still a good get together and a way to do some quick business. Um, yeah. But from a, a media perspective, instead of complaining about it, like hop on all these, put it in your budget to to get these people to all these little things going on regionally, and 
and cover mm-hmm. from the inside out and get what get what's going on. Otherwise, you're just well, you're it, not keeping up. Yeah. Interestingly, I actually saw an article about this from the from an insider perspective, and and they said that the the cost of actually having a booth at one of these events, um, you know, if you're like a small brand, mm-hmm. say a bike brand company, some bike brand out there, um, it you could actually fly all your people, put them up for three days, feed them, let them ride your bikes for less than it costs for you to go to Vegas and take all your stuff there. Mm-hmm. So. Interbike's dead. Long live Interbike. Yeah. So. I, don't know. I mean, it's dead if you compare it to what it used to be. Uh, oh. But I, I think it's just, it's in flux as terms of uh, what, yeah, what's going to be. All right. That's enough of that. No, moving on. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the races I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. um, is the Mata Hay 150. And you did exceedingly well there. Well, so why don't you just why don't you just discuss the Mata Hay 150? Tell first of all, tell us what the idea of this race is, point okay. to point. Yep, 150 miles, point to point. Um, so there's a lot of listeners that you might be familiar with the Mata Hay 100. Uh, a lot, most of you probably aren't. Um, first, I'm going to send you to a website. It's experienceland.org, um, and that's a buddy of mine, Nick. He's the race director for all of those different races. But uh, if you've never been to the Badlands of North Dakota and you've just driven through on the freeway on uh, I-94, uh, you might have caught glimpses of it as you leave the state. You go past Medora, which is kind of the last city, and you go uh, and you're heading over to Montana. Um, but the Badlands of North Dakota stretch for about 150 miles uh, north to south. And uh, the Mata Hay 100 has been going for, I want to say this is the fourth year, fourth year or fifth year. And um, the whole idea behind it is behind the 150 was that there is a new section of 50 miles that goes south of Medora. So instead of just doing the 100, it's a one, one way we go this year, we went south to north Uh Point to point, you do the whole trail. So you start, there's different options. He did, uh, you could do it in one day. You could do it in three days, or sorry, one day. You could do it in two days. You could do it in three days or six days. Um, he's going to expand on those other days. So if you're doing three or six in the future, like he'll have it where it's, you know, those stopping points for the night will be kind of catered. So you'll show hmm. up and you'll be a tent, kind of like a stage race, but kind of not. Um, hmm. But the whole idea for the one day is that's what I did. There was uh, six of us that started, five okay. guys, five guys and a woman, and uh, we start at seven o'clock on Saturday night, and you just ride until you get to the North Trailhead. One hundred fifty miles later, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there there's a lot of things that go into it because uh, first of all we live out here in North Dakota, in Western North Dakota. So I am in Williston, which is, uh, 60, 60, 70 miles North of the North trailhead. And we previously lived in Watford city, which is South of here and closer to the trail. So last year before we moved here, I rode the North section quite frequently. So we were like 15 miles away. Um, so that was all my riding was the Monte trail. And it's just become something special to me because it's, it's hard to describe, and a lot of you who listeners, you might have done the the 100 or the 50 or the shorter distances, but um, 
it's just one of the things it's like people love it or they hate it. And for me, it's just a, a place that's hard, a hard to describe and B, I just, I love it. So, um, when Nick was kicking around the idea, I said last year, I said, yeah, cool. And then he finally said, okay, it's official. We're doing it. And I was like, all right, Nick, I'm, I'm going to be there. Like I have to, it's this, like, I want to be part of this first deal. And, um, so yeah, I just, uh, and the other thing too, is it's not supported. You can have, uh, SAG drivers though. And actually he encourages it because it's, it's very remote. You don't pat, you barely pass any water that you can drink. First of all, I mean, I wouldn't even call the, the water at the, the couple campgrounds potable water. I wouldn't even call it that. It's like you can pump it out of the thing, but if you look at it, it's clearly not very good. Um, <laughs> but there's, I mean, there you cross some roads. You, you there's a few different uh, ranches that you see, but other than that, it is it's pretty much like barely have cell service except for when you get up on the high points. Um, yeah, it, it's very unique because there's no, it's it's you're out there. It's wilderness. Um, right. But, uh, so anyhow, so he encourages a SAG, which most of the riders had Kelly McGelkey. He won it in like 17 and a half hours. He had a full crew cause his family's from here. Um, but what I, what I did the night before I stashed a cooler roughly, uh, about 125 miles in 130 miles in. And then I actually had Kelly's group, uh, take a bag to one of the drops just South of Wanigan. Uh, campground. So if anybody's familiar with that, it's that's roughly at a uh, seventy-five miles in. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Um, so I had those two drops, and then I dropped a gallon of water. There's these water cash boxes for like horse hikers and horse uh, riders use a lot. So they have these at some of the crossings. They have these cash boxes where you can drop. You know, it's just a metal box. So I dropped uh, water in there, and uh, I did it all self-supported. Just right off of what I had dropped on those couple spots. And that was it. So we, uh, I dropped that cooler on Friday night. I slept in the van on Friday night and on the way down Saturday morning, Nick picked me up down to the, on the way to the start. And, uh, then we got to the start and I helped him do some stuff, you know, helped him get the, the other racers off. There was a runner that was doing the one fifty. I still don't know if he finished actually, but anyhow, so we, um, <laughs> I have to ask. I know that. I wouldn't have yet. <laughs> yeah. I actually ran into that guy. He was probably 45 miles in cause he started earlier in the day. Um, yeah. and then we just hung out and, uh, we actually met a rancher that has a big place right down there. And he took us over to his cabins and his house. And it was just weird. And, uh, so we just, and then I took a nap in the afternoon and we started at seven o'clock and that was it. It was pretty, pretty calm and uh you just met you know a few people along the way i ended up riding with uh uh crap was it the 12 hours of disco up in salmon idaho uh what's oh yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah so i met yeah, a, yeah. the guy that directs that his name is max and i rode with him for several hours um okay. of the race uh early on and then he kind of stayed back but uh yeah I finished 20 hours and 13 minutes. I think it was. I initially, I thought it would take anywhere, take me from 18 to 20 hours. So I was, I was pretty close. Um, and you did it single speed, single speed. Uh, I wouldn't recommend this. 
I did it on a rigid <laughs> single speed and, uh, it's a little rough and slower, you know, like some of the downhills, it gets pretty rough from cows tracks and stuff. And you just can't yeah. go, you can't go fast on a rigid bike. Cause it just goes out. You start bouncing out of control. So I definitely gave up time on that, but uh single speed. Yeah. I was running a 32, 22, uh, cause it's, I mean, and I'll, I'll post a link in, uh, in the show notes, but I have my full Strava file up on there and it's, yeah. I mean, Man, I don't even remember. It's like fifteen thousand feet of climbing, but it's all in. Yeah, it's in like two hundred feet at a time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So I mean, it's yeah. just it. It went really well. I didn't have any issues. It was good to be single speed because there's a lot of mud. It had rained, and all the little water crossings were were not dry like they usually would be this time of year. So it was mm. it was like walking through mud and that kind of thing. But there's, I mean, that's part of the deal. I mean, if you're gonna ride across the entire Badlands racing it in a day it's part of the deal you know um yeah how how popular were some of the other options so the hundred so that we did the 150 that was two weeks ago right or wait three weeks ago now um but yeah. the hundred and the other options so the hundred the 75 the 50 oh you mean the days like the yeah like the, oh, like okay. the days and stuff like that okay so they weren't very popular the three day this was all kind of just testing it out for the first year. So he didn't, right. honestly, he didn't really promote it a ton. Like he just kind of wanted to work it out. Um, the two day, I, I think there was only like five people that started that. And I think only like one or two finished. Um, I'm okay. not really sure. It, it kind of seemed like there were some beginner, not beginners, but some people that it was a really a stretch. Like at the beginning, right. you could tell like the way they were a little bit over their head, a yeah. little bit over their head. Yeah. Okay. So they were, they were struggling just on the first day, apparently. Um, so they kind of dropped and just rode for fun the second day. Uh, the three day, there was like three or four people that started the three day. Uh, the one, one guy that won the three day was a pretty good, pretty decent racer. Uh, and then six day, there was no people that did the six day. So okay. I think, I think what, what's going to happen is there's going to be a good crop of people that come back and do the two or three day. Because three days you're racing for 50 miles a day and you have your mm-hmm. stuff, um, depending on how he's going to do it, you know, in terms of uh, having it supported and having something at these aid stations so you can just roll in and, you know, kind of like a stage race, I think would be a really cool way of doing it. So two or three day would be really fun. 150 yeah. miles, you obviously endurance people, um, I, you kind of know what you're getting into. It's going to be a 24 hour race. And you're going to start at night. So it's very similar to this is what it is. I will talk about vapor trail shortly, but it's like doing yeah. vapor trail without having the elevation. Yeah. And, and for me, maybe it's cause I was not prepared for this in any shape or form. And I'm not even going to talk about that because it's, it doesn't really matter. Um, but this was harder than doing vapor trail. Okay. Just because it is constant. There is like, there's no aid stations. It is constant, like up and down vapor trail. There's some monster climbs. It's at high elevation. You're dealing with the mountains in early September, which could be, I mean, you're going to pack for 30 degrees, right? Um, yeah. But the, the Monahay trail is like, it is just relentless with the hills and like, just, I don't know the whole experience is, it, it, but in terms of that type of race, that's what it's like. It's like vapor trail. Cause you start at night you're going throughout the night. You're totally on your own. Vapor trailers, more people. So you're around people more often. Um, but 
I'm, I'm certain there'll be more people in the future for this. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's similar. So if, if the vapor trail scares you in terms of just elevation and not being used to the mountains, um, this would be a really good test for you to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like a, I mean, it sounds like a great race. I, I had originally kind of tentatively planned it. Um, and then just life got in the way. Yeah. It's, so, that's, it's, you know. it's no joke. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, uh, definitely a serious race. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'll stick the, uh, my Strava link in the show notes. So if you're curious to see what, uh, how I did there, I actually finished third place. So, uh, Kelly McGelkey and then second place was, uh, Kyle. I always mess his name up, but Kyle Briarly. I think it's his second. I was talking to him cause I rode with him for a while, which is an interesting story in itself. Uh, but, uh, it's his second race. He raced the Matahe 100 and he's killing it. Like for a first time, like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's really, he'll be somebody that'll be doing a lot of these races and doing pretty well. So he was, he was riding pretty good and he actually, he finished second and he changed his wife's tire along the way. Cause she was out <laughs> sagging for him and she got to this point up on magpie. It's called magpie road. There's a, uh, you kind of get up on this hill and she got a flat tire and she called him and sure enough, he was able to get, she was able to get contact. So he got up there and he changed the tire. So that's, I caught him not, too, I think not too long after that, or maybe caught him before. I can't remember where it was by the river. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, strong. So I ended up riding with him for a while and, uh, he's in much better shape than I am. I just not good. And, uh, we ended up riding for a while and then we got to a spot called bicycle Creek road, which is where I stashed my cooler. This is why I mentioned that cooler. I stashed my cooler with water and food and I had some tools in there. Um, I got there, I'd stashed it in a bunch of sagebrush kind of off the road and it was gone. Somebody had freaking stolen my cooler oh, that, man. that night. So he, thankfully is what he was going to meet his wife there and she had some water and I had a banana and some water. Otherwise I had to go with like four hours without water. <laughs> that been pretty rough. So what did yeah. you think the, the worst part of that? was like was it um was it a mental game to because it was relentless or was it a fitness thing because it was relentless no it was um it was a mental thing fitness wise i i just kept it pretty slow and paced myself uh so fitness wise i i knew i could do it it was just uh it was pretty rough the north section from the cows it's just a unique kind of dirt and everything and and, uh, this, you know, this time of year it, it had rained, but normally it, it dries up really quickly and it doesn't give a chance, uh, for the free range cows to like, to destroy it. And yeah, they tore it up pretty good towards the North side and in mentally, mentally the last 30 miles were pretty rough. And I was just, that was the hardest part was trying to deal with that. On a, first of all, Kyle was on a full suspension 29 er and, uh, he was still struggling with it a little bit. Um, but, uh, the rest of it, like I, I didn't struggle mentally or physically at all up until those cow tracks were just getting me. Um, yeah. Yeah. The one, the one spot where I did have a, a pretty good awakening was, uh, South of Wanigan campground. So anybody again, familiar with it, uh, I stepped into a creek. I didn't want to go through another mud crossing. You know, and the trail kind of went through this mud crossing that was like four feet wide. So I'd have to walk through mud. 
And you don't want to ride your bike through this shit because it is nasty. It is like mud hay mud is the worst there is. Um, and I stepped into this creek. I put my bike across. The creek is like three feet wide. And I'm like, okay, I'll just step in, you know, just to clean my shoes off but because it, it was a good little clean spot. And I stepped in and I went down to my hip. <laughs> I was standing in a creek three feet, two or three feet wide up to my hips. So wow. I stood there for a second because I was like, okay, it's it's hard ground. And I stood in there and I was like, holy shit, I am awake for a good rest of the night because that was like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of actually helped me out. So uh, other than that, like I was surprisingly, I, I had no issues, but I would say for anybody doing it, it's going to be a physical, um, those Hills are, it's hard. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. I, I saw the video of you, you know, crossing the line and maybe we could put that video up in the show notes too, but, yeah. um, you definitely look like you just rode for 20 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that. I don't mean that physically. I just mean, you can tell you're irritated. You're done. Yeah. You want to get off your bike. Yeah. yeah. I was, so. I was done that last section. Um, I will say too, that it, you know, it's not like a bike packing race. Cause some of those guys, I mean, you, you get those guys doing the Arizona trail for 300 miles or the 700 miles or CTR, yeah. like that's a different animal. And for me being the fitness I'm at, which is like, there's short, good, long, non-existent this year. <laughs> um, yeah. that was probably one of the more satisfying races that I've ever done. Cool. That's cool. That's, that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's kind of the. I mean, we've used the term many times here, but you know, the bucket list races, but I mean, that's, that's what this is. It's a epic is overused in this sport, but that is an epic ride. Yeah. I mean, there's doubt, you know, and it's the cool thing about it is it's, it has a goal. There's a, you're doing the entire thing. Yeah. That that was, you can't make it longer. And if you do it shorter, you're not doing the entire thing. Yeah. The other cool thing about it for me was like, you just said is like, you have a goal. Like my goal was my van was parked at the finish. And if I didn't get to my van, I was not getting home anytime soon. Yeah. So it was fun to do that. It was fun to catch a ride with Nick and then just have to ride back to the van. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So it was it was so. very satisfying. And uh, I currently am the single speed record holder on the Mata Hay 150. So if anybody out there wants to challenge it, go to experienceland.org and you can challenge a single speed record. <laughs> Oh, and uh, I said thirty two twenty two, but if you're going to be trying for it, you should run like a thirty four eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me about it. <laughs> See how that goes. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and then I want to interview you on the show. Yeah, here the hell other went. Yeah, on to on some other racing. Um, yeah. Eight, that was really 18 long. hours of that was really long. That's all right. Sorry, but, that's all right. Yeah. 18 hours of Scouts Honor happened uh just a couple of weeks ago. Now 18 hours of Scouts Honor was one of the races that we had discounts for. Is that not correct? I think yeah. it is. Yep, we had a discount in there. Um so yep. it takes place in central uh Virginia, just outside of Richmond. Uh, it takes place at a scout camp, kind of where legions of mountain bikers kind of take over the that whole campground for the weekend race runs from 2 PM to 8 AM the following morning requires has a little bit of climbing, plenty of night riding. Cause you're using the entire night, you know, approximately seven, a to seven, a, um, and plenty of nutritional strategies, obviously, um, overnight rains for several hours, kept the night riding more than a bit technical. 
Um, the course has lots of slip, has lots of rocks and roots on the course, and of course that made it just a little bit slippier. Um, in the men's race, John Petrolak took the win. Now, John employed a strategy of going out very hard in the opening laps to gain an advantage, then employed strategic accelerations um, and fast laps just prior to dark and then just after nightfall to gain the big advantage he needed to feel much more secure in the lead in the hours past midnight. Now, John was indeed challenged in the early hours of the race by Joel Nankman and Chris Lane, who's a 24-hour specialist. Um, he they stayed within about a half lap of the leader until darkness fell. But with John cranking out sub 50 minute laps on an eight mile course, the hours of daylight, and then having very consistent laps in the 52 to 53 minute area in the hours all the way through the night with just a couple of hours racing left, he had a three lap advantage to second place and nearly a five lap advantage back to third place. Um, so Scott factory rider, John Petrolak, um, who has been mentioned here many times, and I have spouted his accolades more than once as one to watch in the near future, um, has continued to prove now just a notch below, in my opinion, at the very top of the elite fields, especially in endurance mountain bike racing. Um, he knocked down 20 laps on the eight plus mile course. Second place, Joel Nankman of the giant co-factory team with 16 laps and third to Chris Lane of Joe's bike shop with 14 laps who called it off early um, as, as often there's a strategy employed there with no way to catch the people in front and no way to patch the people behind. That's just the way it folds out um, in the women's race. Um, winner uh, Jessica Nackman employed a winner's strategy um, starting fast in the opening laps of just over 50 minutes and remaining in the sub hour times until darkness fell, which already had her up by over a lap. Uh, she would continue to put in time into the other leaders, other women throughout the night, gaining an average of 15 minutes per lap and staying on the bike the entire race, uh, while others in her category got, it looks like, a few cat naps as some of their lap times looked like they extended out past like two hours or so. Um, the Live Giant Rider would finish with 15 laps. In second place, three laps down uh, was Laura Maple, and in third place, Denise Dempsey with 10 laps. So um, very cool race. It, um, I've heard a lot of people who have done it. And when I was doing research and talking to the different riders who had done it and one done very well here, they said they'll definitely be back. It doesn't have anything to do with the prize purse. It doesn't have anything. It's a, it's definitely a grassroots race, but definitely at the a very, very, very organized grassroots race and has that community feel because they take over the whole kit and caboodle at the, uh, at the scout camp and run everything as, as like a big, everything revolves around the race itself. And so it's kind of a cool atmosphere. There's cabins there to rent and tents and things like that. And so you can set up all over that campground. Yeah. Um, That's a good thing with about, those type of events. Yeah. It's like it is if you can just not touch your car the whole weekend and just hang out there, it's yes. fantastic. You yes. Know? And it's a scout camp. So there's like lots of stuff. Like if you bring, even bring your whole family there, yeah. there's lots of stuff for kids to do. You know, like other, other things around the campground. They don't have to just sit there and watch their parents race. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, another one that was like that. And I was actually surprised is, uh, cause I'd never been there was the X 100, yeah. uh, this year that at, uh, they do it at Timber Ridge, which is Traverse city. So Iceman, anybody's right. Oh, Iceman. Yeah. They have all kinds of stuff. Like my nephew, he could have like, he didn't do it, but he went to check it out and was like, didn't want to do it because it's a stupid movie, but they have movies and like dodgeball and like pool and all this kind of stuff. So when you have all that kind of stuff, it, it actually does 
for new new parents out there? Like oh, it actually does matter. <laughs> I, I and I, you know what? I have no doubt that that is part. I'm not saying anything bad about the race, but I, that has a, a big part of why I think Mohican does really well. It's held at um, Mohican Adventures, which okay. has like you know the whole like zip lines and yeah, you know yeah. all the go kart racing and off road you know ATVs and canoes and kayaks and all and tubing and all that stuff. So they, they, and they also um, take over that entire campground for the race and that's where it finishes and stuff like that. So it, it, I think it really does make a difference. Um, Especially people traveling long distances will be more apt to do that. There's other stuff to do. Um, Let's talk about, uh, we were just talking about it a little bit. Uh, The vapor trail One Twenty Five held annually. It's more than a primitive race. Um, 125 miles, 17,000 feet of climbing. Uh, almost the entire race is above 7,000 feet. I think it starts at 7,000 feet and just goes up from there. Yeah, slide um, out. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it starts at night. Does it start at midnight? 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? Because I know it starts sometime at night. It starts at 10. 10 o'clock, yep. Um, rolls through the night. Um, primitive aid stations, you know, usually it's just uh, – um, someone who set up a a tent uh, up on top. It's not that, it's not that primitive. That oh, okay. first aid station had like burritos and like the, the oh, one sweet. coming off of uh, uh, I forgot the name of it, but the big one where Dave Weens is sometimes. Yeah, uh, there's like there was plenty of and Tailwind as well. Like I, that's where I first got introduced to Tailwind because I was just okay not having it, and there was like there was plenty to have at all those aid stations. So oh cool primitive okay, cool. Eh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I know they are looking at the times through the different checkpoints. They're, they're not like what every hour you're hitting something. Oh no, no, no. This is like, yeah. you're on your own. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but anyhow, it's definitely got, it's definitely got that. This is a race you've got to do once kind of, kind of reputation, um, sustained high altitude climbing, um, often some pretty severe hike a bike sections. Um, primarily if you look at the, yeah, hike a bike is, yeah, that's, doesn't even describe it uh, but primarily the race is made up of four climbs that each gain 3,000 or more feet um, spaced pretty equally across the course but the terrain that they are climbing on varies differently climb to climb um, 25 to 30 miles between each of those climbs but this year Josh Destato um, began to pull away from Neil Bachenko who they've been riding through the early checkpoints together but between two and three which is the Cascade and Snowblind aid stations which Sit around mile 45 to 55, somewhere in there. Tostado was able to pull away. He would win in 10 hours, 43 minutes. Belchenko would be another 45 minutes back. And Chad Edwards would finish in third with an overall time of 1242. Um, do you, having done that race, do you, do you recall those sections of the course or is it all a big blur at this point? Um, it's kind of all big blur. Uh, I do remember certain sections of it, especially, you know, the big hike a bike. And then the, I can't remember the, the name of the trail coming off the top. Uh, I forgot the name of the trail, but yeah, I remember sections of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any desire, any desire to do it again after you've done it once? Um, yes, but I don't, there's so many other things I want to do that. And now I'm not in from elevation anymore. So like my ability to do it well would be just not, I don't know the answer to your question. Probably Mm -hmm. not because I, there's other things I want to do and I, I, 
don't think that I could do it the best I could do it, knowing that I, how I lived at elevation and now I just don't. So right, probably not. Okay, probably not. Okay, uh, that's not to say uh, I want to do the Breck Epic though. So I still want to do elevation stuff, but this one I don't know. We'll see. Okay, I've always wanted to do some of these like more. Um, I don't want to say they're unorganized, but they're, they're more grassroots than this one. Um, uh, the CTR, I mean, I, the, some of them are bike pack esque and some of them are, you know, much more traditional. Like this is a little bit more traditional, you know, times of 12, 14 hours, 16 hours, whatever. Um, but you know, there's a lot of races I want to do and a lot of them don't have anything to do with, you know, sponsor money behind them. Um, a lot of them just has to do with where they're at. Yeah. So. I mean, this, in this one, like, like you said, is really grassroots. I mean, we meet at absolute bikes, you know, before the 10 o'clock start, we meet in the shop and, you know, they kind of go through it. So all, we're, we're all huddled in the shop talking about it and get out in the street and we're all talking and chatting. And then you kind of all ride out the beginning section, you ride out on the road. That's all big neutral rollout for quite a while actually. And then I don't know. So it's, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very grassroots, but it also is serious. I mean, they, they uh require a resume so it's back to that thing if you know if you're unsure if it's something you really want to do and you don't really know what step to take that Matahe 150 like like that's a good test you know get yourself work up to that and then do that and then you can go to these guys and say hey listen you know here's a scoop so anyhow yeah yeah, that's i mean it's it's cool it's really cool you're out there high elevation uh so for those guys like Josh Sostato has won it now. I want to say four times. Um, I'd have to dig back into the the details to get exactly how many, but I want to say probably three or four times he's won it. So yeah, very. It's a. It's definitely looking at the profile. I mean, I'm like, holy crap! I mean, all of the climbing is, you know, seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and heard there's more than uh wear comfortable shoes that you can walk in. Yep. So Neil, Neil also back, uh, he hasn't done it for a few years, but back in 2013, he was actually leading that race up until past, uh, the last kind of the last aid station at Marshall pass. And he, Jesse Giacome caught him back then. So Neil came back, I think he was in fairly decent shape and just Josh is just this Josh is, if you Google endurance mountain biking, Josh Tostado's name comes up like you <laughs> down the list. So if that tells you anything, yeah, you know, as far yeah. as his consistency over a long period of time at being really good and just mm-hmm. counting on him, he's the guy, you know? So for him to finish first this year in that time, it's not really that surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to the NUE. Um, so the marathon series, uh, this was the first year, 2016 was the first year for the NUE marathon series. Now, a lot of these NUE races in the past have traditionally been hundred milers or um, l- much longer races. And they felt there was a market for shorter race series with very similar prize purse for the overall in the end. Um, and this year they actually put together a series. And so I believe it was 12 of the 14 or 12 of the 15 races this year had a, 100k or marathon distance type uh, event attached to the 100 milers held on the same day often held at the same time but um karen jarchow of topeka ergon's us karen team kirkov now 
Oh, is it really? Yeah, they got married oh. last weekend. I think it was two weekends ago. Oh, sweet! Well, that makes it easier to pronounce. Uh, although um, it might it might go by, she still might go by Jarko. But right, I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyhow, um, she had a perfect four wins over the series, and actually the only um, woman to have four wins, and so she went. Um, Unchallenged uh, at the end. Um, Alex Pond won the Open Men's of uh, Sonoran Cycles, three wins. He's the only rider with three. Um, Jitten Litzinger of Napleton Elite wins the single speed with a perfect four wins over the series. And Anthony Hurt of Rescue Racing wins the 50-plus Masters division. Um, those marathon distances, did they vary? They varied. It wasn't like an exact distance, was it, for each one of the races? Yeah, well, just like – no, no. And just like the – the NUE full series or they, they call it the mm-hmm. century series. It's not necessarily, there aren't necessarily hundred milers. There were several in the um, longer distance races that are actually only 70 miles. Right. Um, it, it has to do with their finish times. Yeah. Um, they want four to five hours, I think for the marathon distance and they want six to seven and a half hours. I think that's what they go by for the, the longer series. So, okay. yeah. So yeah, there, there were some shorter runs. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, congratulations, definitely. Those guys, um, uh, I, I was really tentative in uh, predicting any kind of series yeah, I winners. Was, I was disappointed. That I sh- <laughs> you have no, <laughs> I, I was waiting for your predictions because you did some other good predictions. I did do some good predictions in the regular one. But, uh, you know, the marathon series, I I, I felt it was way too open. I, I figured there would be a lot of people that would step up from XC Racing to do some of those. But I also wasn't sure how popular that series would be to targeting it. Um, like the the 100 series of the NUE, I think people have to kind of – you have kind of have to train for that distance. And the NUE really is the only series out there for that distance, the 100 miles anyhow. Um, you know, their Whiskey 50 and stuff have more on the marathon side. So uh, it was it was much more difficult to predict any kind of winners for that um, depending on who pre- – and you never know who's going to show up. Do you so. do you think uh, with that marathon series that the shorter distance? Do you think it lived up to the expectations for the year, or what do you do? You get a feeling for how it went uh, compared to what um, they thought it would do. Uh, I don't think it was. It it definitely wasn't a buzz. Like I don't think you know there were several of the categories that you know the minimum you have to do is four to compete for the series and there were several categories that really didn't have that many people that it would even finish the minimum um i think it was a lot easier for people to just go in there and do one and be done and or you know just happen to be doing the shorter version and and not looking to during a whole series so um i don't know i don't i don't i've always thought that there there was a potential for a marathon series but um, pairing it up with on the same day as the hundred milers yeah. where people want to do both is I sometimes think it's maybe not the right decision, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to second guess the, the success that Ryan Odell's had in putting together the NUE series. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I so. see the, that, that marathon distance is more of like the, like right now it just seems like kind of an afterthought, right? It's like, Oh, there's a hundred and there's this other thing that you can raise if you're not up to the hundred, you know, going forward, I see that shorter distance is like the premier deal. Um, because you, oh, can, I agree. you can plan around that. You could do several races. Like your family doesn't have to wait around all day for you to be done. You're not yeah. trashed. It's, you know, there's just a lot of positives that go into that. And, and it's a whole bigger crowd that can, that can a finish right. it, you know, and B, not train, have to train 25 hours to be competitive. 
Um, so correct. And I also think, I mean, from a, someone who covers it, mm-hmm. um, I think it's, and someone who's raced in them, I think <clears throat> the marathon distance can be raced front to back. Yeah. Start to finish. You can have guys attacking throughout the whole race where the hundreds, there are very few guys that are going a hundred percent the whole way. Yeah. And if they are, they're, they're in the top three. Yeah. So. All right. Well, it's cool. I just wanted to see kind of what your thoughts were on the, that shorter NUE series. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes and see what's on tap for next year. I am assuming that it'll be more marketed now that kind of have some kinks worked out and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think so. I think, I think that's part of the, you know, I think there's, there's little bugs they need to work out. And, you know, often some of those bugs, as I've just, you know, I can make all the complaints I want, but sometimes some of the bugs that are inside these races, like the hundred K and the hundred milers racing, starting the race at exactly the same time, or, you know, sometimes you want to separate the categories. And I've made those concerns known to Ryan and Ryan has explained to me, and it's stuff that I'm not a race promoter. Sometimes they don't have the opportunity to split those up. They can't shut a downtown street off for an hour so they can separate the divisions and the categories and the races. So I I completely understand that. Um, You know, it's not a perfect world and you have to do with what you can do in the area you're promoting the race. Well, all right. So listeners, this is what we're going to do. We have all that information there on on some of those races. We have, we're going to split this up. So we have a bunch of, uh, highlights and details from some more races. So monster cross Shenandoah park city, uh, and some more, but we're going to not make you listen to a two hour episode. So what we're going to do is you're going to hear this one. And then, uh, in a day after you hear this one, we'll post the second part of this. So that way you can, uh, you can split it up and listen to both. All right. Does that work for you, Mark? It works great for me. All yeah, right, let's fantastic. do it. All right. So listeners, right. just a reminder on this one. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you can send them to me is Ben at mountain bike radio.com, or you can send any nasty grams or any negative stuff to Mark. No, no, let's send those to Steve. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steve at mountain bike radio.com. Uh, Mark, Mark at mountain bike radio.com. Check out, uh, the last aid station on Facebook and Twitter or mountain bike radio on Facebook as well. All right. So just a reminder, listen in uh, another day, check back and uh, we'll yep, have the there's second some, part. And there's some, uh, and there's some good highlights um, with the end of the NUE series and stuff. So please, you know, tune into that next one too. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you very soon. <laughs>